0: Do something a little bit different than I typically do, uh, because it has been a different kind of week, hasn't it? it in the history of our nation, and uh, I think it is appropriate for us to respond to the Lord in prayer. And I invite you to join me, and uh, what I'm doing that's different is uh, I actually wrote down um, a prayer, um, a prayer that I believe that we can pray together, and uh, it really, you know, I, I think will uh, be an encouragement and a heartfelt prayer. Whether even you are thrilled about the decision that the Supreme Court made or not, because God is on the throne, he is sovereign, and we are going to give him thanks. We are also going to ask for his help as we navigate this really contentious, difficult time in our country, and I invite you all to join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for being the all-loving one. We know love because... You have shown it to us, and we know life because of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we come to you with thankful hearts. You have established a safer path for the unborn within the borders for our country. And the little ones who cannot speak for themselves have received a measure of, of protection. Jesus, you told us, let the little children come to me. And Father, that's the heart we want to have as well in our children's ministry, in our families, in our homes, and to our entire country. But God, we do need wisdom for how to respond in this important time in our country's history. Lord, can you show us a church of Jesus Christ that will care for and support and encourage and help and listen to these mothers, the future mothers, and their babies, born and unborn, wanted or unwanted, May they not be kicked to the side because we only cared about a political decision and, or a judicial decision and, and we don't care about life beyond that. I don't believe that's the case, Lord. Help it not to be the case in our hearts. And I pray that Florida will be a safe haven for both mothers and babies. Would Living Hope be a safe place for mothers and babies? And Lord, there's a lot of angry and hurting people in our country today. They have been told that they have lost control of their body or that they are unwanted or unloved, that the church only wants to condemn them, not care for them, Lord, please comfort them as only your presence can. Speak the truth to them from your word and and by your people, and help us by our example to love them into the light. God, please expose the lies of Satan against your church, against you, and may your church, your body, love louder than these shouts of anger in the streets so that you would be glorified. May we take away every weapon of discouragement by boldly living through faith and serving the needy. Jesus, you showed us how to lay down your life so others might live. Help us to follow obediently and do the same, no matter the cost. May we be the church you've called us to be for such a time as this. Help me now to proclaim your word in the spirit and a truth. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us for worship. I've said it before, but my heart is so thankful. I gotta say it again. Our God is good, and that He has made all of us for a purpose, and we are here for a purpose to hear from Him. We're going to be in 1 John, the Epistle of John, His first epistle towards the end of the New Testament. So if you flip all the way back there, you know you'll you'll run up into Revelation at the very end, and you'll run up at you know Jude is the one preceding that, and then 3rd, 2nd, and then 1st John is where we'll be. Every Bible has a little different page numbering, so, uh, um, but hopefully we'll give you a minute there to find it either on your device or in print. And we've been working through text by text going through this letter because we believe that this is the Word of God, and God speaks. God has a message for us today, and I don't want to screw it up, so if I just speak to you from the hip, or here's here's what's my hobby horse lately— We're going to miss something. So I want us to dig into the text to let God speak through his word and by his spirit so that each one of us will understand clearly what he's saying and where he wants us to go. And yes, thank you, Pastor Dennis. We do have some sermon handouts. If that will help you track along, if you're a visual learner like I am, then by all means, help yourself to that. Um, But as as I mentioned before, it's been a polarizing weekend in our country, right? Uh, Just completely polarizing. Pro-life versus pro-abortion. Uh, information versus information anger versus anger that's the really sad thing all across the board anger, hate incredibly mean things being said on social media about other people made in the image of God and I'm talking about you know, this morning and, and, and the anger that we feel about one decision but I think anger is a bigger thing than just one weekend Don't you I think really this is just a catalyst for us to show who we really are and angry people born in sin, born angry. And all it takes is one person to cut us off in traffic. All it takes is for one person to say that thing, rub me the wrong way. And now I'm angry. It's almost like we're always on simmer. And then when we go through our day, boom. Now it's full boil. Yeah, do you guys have that that stove top? And you got that one burner that's the quick boil. We use it all. The, it's pretty much the only burner we use because when you got four kids, you just gotta get that food on quick, right? It, it we're on quick boil all the time, and we always feel justified in the anger, right? It doesn't matter if that person's made in the image of God, or they have different perspectives, or they've heard something different. No, I want them to hear me now. I want to stick up for myself. I'm justified in my anger. And the Bible does say that there is a place to be angry, but not at people made in the image of God, at sin. sin is an issue that goes down to the very soul of our being. It's something you can't see under a microscope. You see it by the actions, by the fruit of the actions, but something within. So we're to be angry at sin and and injustice and, and the core issues within our human being, but... We are not to be furious with people made in the image of God when we don't get our way. That's not how God made us. That is a flaw from our sin. So before we get into our primary text, starting at verse 11, let's read 1 John 3, verse 10. Scripture says this, By this it is evident who are children of God, and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And here's the key phrase nor is the one who does not love his brother okay it's a pretty strong statement from john you don't love your brother you are not a child of god now verse 11 let's pick up here for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning okay he's remember he's talking to the church here if you've been tracking with us through our study he's not talking to just the world to anybody. He's talking to believers, people who have given their lives to Christ. They've been saved, and and they walk by faith. He's writing to them. You've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So John doesn't play around. He doesn't say children of God are known for their political rightness. Right? Uh, Or uh, shouting down your opponents. Oh, that's how you know the children of God. They're shouting down. No. Or even... Their, their pro-life stance, which I would say is, is a good thing. This is how they're known, for how they love one another. That's huge. It's fundamental to being a Christ follower. It is something in the DNA of someone who's been born of the Spirit. We're in the family of God. We are no longer uh, chained to our sin and under the dominion of Satan, the evil one. And here's how you know. How do you treat each other? How do you or do you love one another? And now I'll stop talking for a moment and let's read verses 11 through 18. See the whole text, hear from the Lord, and we'll unpack it together. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life, because we love the brothers. Excuse me. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in deed and truth. This is the word of the Lord. And so our main point comes from. God's main point in this passage. Children of God, love one another. Okay? Or are you sure to do more? Three words. Take away three words with this morning's message, and, and you will be in the right frame of mind. Love one another. But I need to define love because the, the world says we can define love however we want. We're going to define love the way that God defines love. And, and the term used here is agape. Agape, this is the kind of love that God has. Agape love is a pure, sincere love for others over yourself. It leads to laying my life down for others, as we'll see in verse 16. This is how we know love, right? How do I know what love is? You look at Jesus who laid down his life for us. This is love. And that one another, the Greek word for that is all alone. All alone, that one another, it's reciprocal. It's not one-sided. It shows you, it gives you a glimpse into the family of God, where brothers and sisters come and sit at the table together. We worship together. We serve together. We love one another. We share life together. And that love compels us to now go out the rest of the week and invite people into that same love that we experience from Jesus and invite them into a loving community to share the good news of Jesus with with them wherever they are. And for this church plant, a brand new church, looking at what kind of culture we're going to have, I wish I could tell you as the lead pastor that I can just create this culture. Oh, we're going to be a church that loves one another. I can't do that. I don't, I don't have the power to do that. I don't control you all. This is a group effort. God has called us, men and women of God, to love one another. And if this is going to be a loving culture, every single one of us need to have a part in this, not just the pastor. The pastor is just the shepherd, but we're all headed towards Jesus together. Now, we know this is true because there's three universal truths that John gives us in this passage we just read. First of all, we we'll look at the opposite of love. We look at hate. Hate is the mark of death. Verses 12 through 13. John says, don't be like Cain, who was of the evil one. And as a result, he murdered his brother. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, that comes from Genesis chapter 4. The first two children that Adam and Eve had in the fallen world, right? Cain, he's the firstborn of man, and Abel, his brother. Cain was a farmer. Worked in the field with his hands, Abel was shepherd, tended to the sheep. And because of sin, because of the fall, man could no longer walk with God in the garden face to face. So God laid out an established plan of worship. Here's how you can interact with a holy God and experience my love, even though you have sin. And it involved sacrifice, it involved worship around an altar. The problem was, Cain didn't want to follow God's way didn't have love in his heart. Instead, he thought, I'm just going to do this my way. And he put on the altar the fruit of the field, what he had earned and worked with his own hand. His brother Abel, the righteous one, why is he righteous? Because he obeyed God, walked with God, and God justified him based on his offering of obedience. Uh, and, And so Abel offers up the lamb, the sheep, to show that sin costs something. Sin is harmful and destructive. He was obedient and faithful. And so, naturally, Cain murders his brother. Because that makes sense, right? God accepts Abel's sacrifice. Doesn't accept mine. I'm jealous. I'm angry. The first human being born on the planet, what does he do? Takes another human's life. We're always on simmer. We just need something to get us to boil that's our human nature and our DNA. And when God calls out to Cain, hey, where is Abel? Because he knows what Cain's done. Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is absolutely we are. But a hater of man, a murderer, a butcher, that's another way you could translate the word murder, butchered his brother, Dr. Death, shows that his father really is Satan not god it's the one who hates the one who does not love the one who wants to curse and, and ruin everything that god has ordained for good and so the ground cries out to him and he murders him because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous ultimately he's angry at god abel wasn't a jerk abel was a good man a righteous man He obeyed the Lord. He walked with the Lord. That wasn't enough for Cain. He had to bring his brother down. So, why in the world is John talking about Cain and Abel? A lesson in Genesis. He says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. A.K.A., look all the way back to the beginning of human history. is it really surprising that the world hates you? Hates the church. On social media and on the news right now, you look up protesters, and they are signs that say, F the church. F the church. Don't be surprised by that. I mean, I, I, I was surprised. A little, I'll be honest, I was. But don't be. Because it's been that way from the beginning. The world hates those who follow God's way and listen to what his word says, and we insist on the truths of God's word. This is beyond politics. We are literally from another planet because we've been born of the kingdom above. And the world does not understand that. And the world hates that we would insist that that's the one right path. But as shocking as that can be, as shocking as it could be that, that the world would, would hate us, or it's this statement in verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a Murderer. Everyone, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wait, who's everyone? Oh, I thought we were talking about the world here. The world was holding up those signs. That's not me, God. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That's me and you, folks. Born in sin, born hating our fellow man either to get what we want, to get ahead, ultimately bitterness and hate towards God. But John is getting this straight from Jesus. He's not making it up. He says, you've heard this from the beginning. Let me take you back to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He says, you know, you've heard it said, you know, don't murder. But I say to you, everyone who hates his brother has already murdered him in his heart. And you tell me. Has there ever been a point in your life where you have hated another human being? I have. I'm a murderer. I'm, I'm ultimately responsible for why Jesus died on the cross. And the angry mobs were cheering his name. I wanted to kill him. That's not me. I am from the line of Cain. But here's the good news. Jesus says, I'm raising the bar of love. And I'm the only one who's going to meet it. And I will meet it. You can fact check me. Matthew five seventeen. He says, I am the standard of righteousness. I came to fulfill the law. Where we all broke it, we're the lawless, hateful, murderous ones. I fulfilled it. And when you put your faith in Jesus, in his righteous life, in his righteous sacrifice, in his righteous resurrection, I am made right with God. So I don't have the the mark of the curse on me like Cain anymore. I've got a different kind of mark. The love of God. Thanks be to God for that. And that even allows me, it changes me so much, I can love my enemies. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What kind of love is that? That's a supernatural love. That's from the heart of God. God is calling out mercy on his murderers. Which means there's good news for you and me. There's mercy for every single one of us murderers. Every single one of us haters. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And if you're here today, and you have never turned from sin, from pride, from from hate and anger, and put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can do that right now. In this room, this, this small set-up room in the back of a school, a Sarasota School of Massage Therapy. Because God's presence is everywhere. And he hears the prayer of a repentant sinner. And saves us immediately. Put your faith in him. He will transform your life. And if he has transformed your life already, then brothers and sisters, let me remind you. It doesn't matter how wicked someone is or what they've done to us. We do not have a right to hate them. That's not a right that God gives us. We're, we're all shouting about our rights, right? A child of God does not have the right to hate another. We do have the right, the ability, and the grace to love them. And that's the second universal truth we see here love. It's the mark of a true believer. We find that in verses 14 to 16. We know that we have passed out of death into life. So this happened in the past, right? At some point, if you're a brother and sister in Christ, you put your faith in Jesus in the past and it's like a crossing a river. Right? You cross from one bank to another. From the land of darkness to the kingdom of light. God has transferred us over. And all I had to do was put my faith in Jesus. He's the captain of my soul, captain of my faith. He rode me to the other side. Alright? I'm delivered from that. So now I know that love is in me because of His Spirit. And I have the ability to love others and if i don't love i don't have a desire to love and i continue to hate even if someone says oh hey i i prayed a prayer when i was young you know i I went to church growing up so yeah i'm a christian but do you love your brother do you love god it's really the most important thing and if we can't say yes to those questions we do some soul searching there's a contrast here, and there needs to be one. Or else there didn't need to be a cross. But John says, we love the brothers. That's a continual love, ongoing love. It does not dry up. So when I'm 60 years old, by God's grace, he lets me live that long, 70 years old, 80 years old, I'll live to be 100 years old. God's love will never dry up because I'm not the one producing it. No matter how old and dry I get in my bones, God's love flows through me with fresh grace every single day. Why? Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to also lay down our lives for the brothers. Right? That's what it says. Verse 16. I'm not making it up. I promise. So that means, practically speaking, to love my brother. I don't just show up on Sunday morning, kind of hang out for a little bit, talk, go back home, and then I live for myself the whole rest of the week right? Love compels us to go out. Love compels us to check in on one another. Love compels us to pray for one another. When you pray for others, you can't hate them. It's impossible to do both. Think about it. When you really pray for people, you can't find it in your heart to hate them. God's love won't allow it. His spirit won't allow it. If I stop praying, oh, then it's easy to find that that hate real quick. I find, that old, I find that old simmer burner somewhere back in the closet, that old man. He, just, he dies hard, right? That's what happens. We're not in prayer and, and consistently focus on others. And I want to commend our core group here. I think you all have done a phenomenal job loving each other up to this point. I really do. Wednesday night, man, those of you that weren't there, if you would have been there in that room with us praying for one another, is one of the most loving things I've ever seen in my life. The love and the grace that just poured out towards one another. Caring for one another. Hey, what needs do you have? Hey, how can we help you out? We're going to see some of you this week. And we're going to take care of some of those needs. That love overflows out of the community, the love we have for brothers and sisters. Now, it requires a sacrifice. Right? You all had to get up this morning. You had to drive here. Gas ain't cheap, so there's a cost there. It requires more and more every day to love others. I have to lay down myself. I have to lay down my needs. I have to help others. It's a sacrificial love. It's agape. It's thinking of others, and it's so important that we show the love of God in our community. But how can we show love of the love of God to the world if we aren't together loving each other? In the community of the local church. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? This is how people will know you're my disciples. How you love one another. How can we love one another if we're not there for one another? The love of our presence alone. Our time alone. Our care. Our prayer. We're there. So we're not waiting for Living Hope to become a bigger church. And then we'll figure out how to love people. We want to be the church now that God has called us to be. We want to be families that God's called us to be and love one another and from the strength of our uh, relationship, our community we go out and we love others as Christ has loved us and just practically thinking as a pastor looking to plant a church and we're looking forward to launch Sunday launch Sunday, I mean it's a big deal but in another way it's not launch Sunday is going to be a birthday but it's a result of all of the sacrifice and prayer and preparation and hard work leading up to that. What do we have to lay down in order that God might birth a new church family for the community here in North Sarasota? It's going to require a lot. A lot. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to paint some, some easy, easy picture. So I already said coming on Sunday, being present together. That's huge. Working behind the scenes. My wife, Lacey, she knows how to work behind the scenes better than anyone I know. And what is she doing right now? Even though it's just our kids, not anybody else's kids showed up today because there's some some sickness and things going on. She's over there loving, teaching the word, serving behind the scenes. So we can worship in here. And the kids can worship in there and and learn from Jesus on on their level. There's set up and there's teardown. You're all able to sit here and worship because someone took the time to set out the chairs and put the coffee on to give up something in order to get something. Or uh, people have given sacrificially and financially so that this church plant can take root. There's been sacrifices all along the way, and there will be. And I want to encourage you all, if, if you are free on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we want you to come to our home for small groups. We've got dinner, we've got prayer, fellowship, and Bible study, where we learn how to live this out in community. Because we need each other. We need the love that God has given us for one another. We love big, we serve big, we sacrifice big, and then we watch God do amazingly big things as only he can do. Right? When Jesus died, the world was changed. When he rose from the dead, (laughs) the world was changed. What's what's he going to do through us in our sacrifice and obedience to him? Here's the third thing, and I'll wrap it up. Christians love in word and deed. Word and deed. Verses 17 to 18 make it very clear. If anyone has the world's goods, so I'm good, I got all, my needs met, I'm comfortable, yet his brother is in need. And he sees that. If he closes his heart against him. They see, you know, these dividers right here in the back of the room. I see the need. I'm good. I'm here in my castle. I'm safe. How does God's love abide in Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's huge. So God's love really does manifest itself even in the little things. Like what I what I do with my money? What I do with my time? What I do with my social media. It all matters. Even my goods. <laughs> even my TV in my house right? The early church, they sold off their things in order to be able to give to those who had needs. Would I be willing to part with any of my stuff in order to meet the needs of somebody else? That's a tough one. Yet if God's love abides in me, the Christian feels compelled to act in one form or another. Talk is cheap. True love costs something. So when he says, uh, we love indeed, that means I use my resources to help Someone else. God doesn't expect you single-handedly to solve world hunger. God doesn't expect you single-handedly to figure out how to, to counsel people who've been through incredible traumas. And, oh, you're supposed to carry that burden all on your own. No, but what do I have? I've got a listening ear. I've, I've, got, a, I've got an open sofa in my house. I've got a bottle of water. I've got, I got some. Here, come sit. Let's talk. Let's pray together. What do you need? How can we help? God doesn't expect the world from you. But if you have goods and you see a need, he does expect you to help meet it. We're also called to love in truth. Not be hypocritical. Not say one thing and do another or say, hey, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And then when that person lets us know they need something, oh, I'm busy that day. Oh, I got stuff going on. I hear that a lot from other churches. People come up all the time. Oh, yeah, pastor, we should do this. Or I thought, yeah, we, we, we should do this. Or somebody should do this. So the pastor says, great, would you do that? Oh, you don't want me to do it. Or I'm going to be busy that week. I haven't told you what week it is yet. You know, but it's easy to talk a good talk. But to walk the walk, that's the transforming love of Jesus. We want to love in deed and in truth. And so church, right now, I love you and I'm going to challenge you. That SCOTUS decision changes nothing about the call of the Christian. Nothing. We've been praying for this day. We're, we're, we're hoping that this saves some lives. That's what we've been, but we're called to love everyone. So, how are we going to love everyone in light of this decision? It's already done. How are we going to respond? What, what about the person who's super angry at the church? Super hurt by the church, been thrown aside by the church. No one wanted me because of my past or because I made a decision to do that. that you all call the unspeakable sin. And we show them there's no, there's no sin, there's no mistake that can outreach the love of God. We're here for you. You have a place here. You are safe here. Or you have feelings of... You know, maybe I didn't want my child, or I'm not sure I want a child. And we say it's okay to be honest about that, too. You are loved. God already knows your heart. <laughs> it's not like this is a confessional thing. God knows your heart. We will love you. But we're going to put our money where our mouth is, and it's going to cost us. So we're going to financially support. Our, we as a family, we're already praying about where can we put our dollars to help somebody that's already doing this, already helping the foster families and the orphans and the widows. One more child used to be Florida Baptist Children's Home. Now they do a whole lot, including helping single moms get on their feet. And so you all know, Sarasota is opening up a, uh, a center for moms. And there's going to be an opportunity to mentor moms in this community. And I can't think of a better way for the church to be the church and to be there for somebody in need in our community. Are we Living Hope Church or are we not? We'll financially support. We'll consider the needs. Maybe your family or, or you're a single person. You need to pray about how do I, how do I help a, a child from a single parent home or who has no parents? How do I mentor someone who's raised in a home without leadership, without godly influence? Maybe you could volunteer at a shelter. And in fact, in July, I would like us to have our next community survey day to be at One More Child. We will organize food. We will sort materials. We will help children that we'll never meet, but we'll show them the love of Jesus as we can. Maybe it's prayer walking. Maybe it's babysitting. A family, you know, is going through a hard time. Can you just watch your kids for a bit? You go to the beach, all right? We got this. We're going to show some village love. These are practical ways that we can love in word and in deed, and I pray that God's even showing you a whole bunch more ways that you can use your unique gifts and abilities for the kingdom. We love big. We talk big. Hey, right. no more boys. Okay, then that means you have to love so much harder and so much more than ever before. Are we ready for that? By God's grace, I believe that we are because of the Spirit within us. One final thing I'll say. Because we love our brothers and sisters, I want us to remember how many brothers and sisters in Christ we have around the world that are persecuted right now. Not like someone was mean to me on social media. Thrown in jail. Beaten raped, murdered, never see their family again because they claim the name of Jesus. It's it's estimated one out of seven self-identified Christians live in a country where they experience persecution on a weekly basis. That's about 300 million. Now again, I'm saying self-identified. I pray that they're all regenerate who identify as Christian. I don't know that, but of 300 million Christians who are beaten, jailed, cursed, fired, raped, murdered, hated for our father's sake, And one way that we can love and remember them is to pray for them. And to that end, I I found a video that I think will really help us to wrap our minds around what is going on in the world that we don't even have to worry about. But because we love one another, we're going to pray for them before we go.